Hi, and thanks for tuning into the Bacon Wire podcast. On today's episode, we talk about the Lions' last-second win over the Washington football team, Michigan and Michigan State's losses over over the weekend, and then we break down Season 2, Episode 3 of The Mandalorian. Here's Spartan Dog 97. Thanks, Spartan Dog 97. When I'm not ticking off my advent calendar of days since 9-11, I'm Spartan Dog 97. Mitch is back with us again. Uh, Brett still got class for a couple more weeks, but Lucas is here. Guys, what's going on? Uh, nothing much. Just enjoying another fun day on MSU Twitter. Absolutely. Another wonderful day on Twitter. Rocking my, <laughs> Wisconsin, rocking my Wisconsin Badgers. Beat Michigan's ass last weekend. Yeah, so we'll talk we'll talk about Michigan and Michigan State um here in the first half of the pod. We'll go to break and then we'll talk about Mandalorian season two, episode three, and some some other news that, that's come about in the comic book movie space. Uh but first we're gonna do our th- our customary three minutes of lines talk that always goes over three minutes. So I'm gonna start the clock here. All right starting the clock now and listen like they almost blew a multiple they almost blew another 10 point lead except to this time it was to a guy who almost got his fucking leg chopped off and the fact that that game was close at all should have gotten Matt Patricia fired. But here's what concerns me going forward. Uh, Big Cat, Barstool personality. If you don't, if you listen to this podcast and don't know who he is, then I don't know what you're doing listening to this podcast. Uh, he, he always talks about the in-the-hunt graphic. And for the uninitiated, around this point in the season – uh, the broadcasts start really focusing on playoff pitchers, right? They show you who the division leaders are, who's currently sitting in the wild card spots, and who is on the outside looking in, and they call that section in the hunt. During yesterday's broadcast of the Rams-Seahawks game, the Lions were in the hunt. And I said that if the Lions were in the hunt past week 12 this year, then Matt Patricia was going to keep his job. And I think we're verging on the doomsday worst possible case scenario where Sheila Ford is going to give Matt, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn one more year to figure it out. Because here's the, here's the thing. Here's my justification. I don't know who else is going to be, who else is going to want to come to Detroit. The enemy's out. Greg Roman is out. There are far there are far more attractive places for them to go, where they'll be set up for success right away. So we don't get our top two guys. So the the worst case the bottom basement worst case scenario is that we keep them both. The second to worst case scenario is that we fire Patricia. Sheila Ford keeps Quinn and she hires and he hires Robert Sala. 
the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, which I'm not saying on, on, the, on its own would be a bad hire. But the Fords are obviously okay with spending good money after with spending bad money after bad because it doesn't matter. And I've been saying that I feel like a broken record, like I'm going crazy. I keep saying this over and over and over again. It's just so frustrating to see a team have no direction in any other any other competent franchise would have gone all in on tanking three weeks ago. And instead we're and instead we're here freaking out that Matt Prater can still hit fifty three yard field goals. Hey, is fifty nine. Sorry, fifty can still hit fifty nine yard field goals. It's embarrassing. It's fucking embarrassing. Yeah. Boy, that uh, Lions Twitter was fun to watch when that <clears throat> collapse was uh, was going down. Like seeing twenty four to ten, and then twenty, then that like they had a turnover or not a turnover, but like a, a punt. Then twenty four seventeen, you could just feel it coming. I really thought they were going to blow the game, and I'm not trying to dog on the Lions. I really thought they were going to blow it, and we were going to see Patricia gone. But you're right. I think they're stuck with these guys for another year. And um, it's kind of like, where are you going? And, and next year, if they start like 0-2 or 0-3, I think it's time to, to tank and, and get a good draft pick. Because right now, they're just stuck at, they're just stuck at where they were last year. And yeah, they're, they're going to be picking. fine, but it's, it's not like this ultimate game changer. Right, they're going to be picking 13th. And at 13th, your positions of need are you're either going to be reaching for them or you're going to have to go with your the fourth or fifth guy on your board because they're going to be gone, right? So if we look at right. what the Lions need, the Lions obviously need front seven help. So they, they could possibly be in position for, for a linebacker. I – I haven't been paying close attention to the draft pool this year. It's a weird season, whatever. But, you know, linebackers, great linebackers have gone in that 9 to 15 range. There is a linebacker there available two years ago that we could have taken. Instead, we took TJ Hawkinson. (laughs) Is that the Isaiah Simminger? Yes. Okay. And – and the Devin Bush here as well. We're good Listen, I know, I know, <laughs> but pre-injury he was still a he was still an incredibly productive linebacker, and, and a he would have been. And he, he listen. <laughs> what do we talk about when we talk about successful Michigan State offensive and defensive lines? We call them the MAGA trenches. In order to be a successful front seven player. You need to be a cocksucker. I'm sorry. Devin Bush would have been a major upgrade over Jelani Tavai. Yeah. You can't argue with me on that. Lucas one. I will not I will Lucas, not hear arguments. Lucas would be an upgrade over Tavai. <laughs> Lining up against Trent Williams of the Browns or some shit. Oh. <laughs> and I mean, I mean Lucas. 
Lucas, you're you're not really a Lions fan. You watch every game because your father in law. But I'm like an adopted Lions fan. Yeah. Same. I just don't see the path. I don't see a path forward for this team where the fans are going to be satisfied. The Patricia defenders are going to be pissed off that they fired him. If they, if that's the route they decide to go, almost everyone is going to be pissed off with their draft pick because they were put, because they're this edict to try to compete, put them in a shitty position. Yeah. And we're not going to be able to move on from Matthew Stafford after this year because there's no one going to be available. I mean, Ian Book maybe, maybe be available at the range we're looking at. And Ian Book has played well. You're giving me a face, Mitch, but listen, I'm an all-time Ian Book hater. He's solid. He's a Heisman Heisman dark horse right now. He's he's, he's just – just solid in no a one COVID likes to, year. No one likes to slander. No one likes to slander Notre Dame more than me. All right, Notre Dame's. Nor, it's always Notre Dame slander season on this side. Catholics versus convicts. Yeah, Brian Kelly killed a kid. <laughs> he has nobody a talks, Nobody talks more about how Brian Kelly killed a kid. Brian Kelly sent a kid up onto a scissor lift on a windy day, and he died. Brian Kelly should have been should be in jail for manslaughter. Regardless, Ian Book is a solid quarterback, and if he's solid. available, and if he's available in round two, the Detroit Lions should absolutely take him. Round two is fine. It's pretty. It's a pretty low risk pick. Yeah. So no, round two. Round two is fine because he won't be a first round pick unless he goes ape shit the rest of the year. Who else? So who are the who are the quarterbacks and the quarterback needy teams? Trevor well, Lawrence, Justin Fields, uh, the kid Trey from – Yeah, the kid Trey from North Lance, Dakota State. Ian Book. Um, there's I, there's other people I'm forgetting about. I don't about. know if Kyle Trask is, would go pro, but if he wins the Heisman, he probably should. Rocky Lombard, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mac Jones. Mac Jones is, is um, eligible to go. He won't. But I don't know if he will. Um Outside Peyton Ramsey, I think is is draft yeah. eligible. Yeah, Noah Vedrill, the kid from Buckers. Yeah, Noah Vedrill is eligible. I'm not sure he's going to go. Um, is it, well, well, he gets a free year, I guess technically, but correct. he's a grad. He was a grad transfer, so okay. Um, but like, yeah. I just like there's there's two to three can't miss prospects in this draft right. quarterback prospects and. The Lions aren't going to be able to get either of them. Yeah. Well, like you said, the, yeah, the problem is that edict to make the playoffs, they're going to go 6-10 and 10 or 5-11, five and five and 11, pick in that mid-range where they can't get a franchise QB. They, they could be 6-5 and five after the next two weeks. Yeah, they no, exactly, especially five, with – uh, then, then after that, it gets it, – the rest of the teams that's, are yeah, in the playoff hunt. 6-10 and 10 or 5-11. and 11 It's is, like 7-9 and nine is their ceiling. So yeah. it's but it's just like yeah no I mean trying to they're going to like they're going to pick 13th but and, the last and, thing I want to say is I really like how DeAndre Swift has progressed throughout the year he's gotten better and yeah, yeah I mean you know he's you, averaging a, you a yard carry more than AP on obviously 27 fewer touches but I and he was named the starter before the game I yeah. think I think you've got something right there. I really do. 
if if you start to tank and get another quarterback, I really think you have a, a piece to build off right there. Right, but the thing is, you need to tank. So if you're not gonna, if next year you, they will, if they start own two or own three, I bet they will. Yeah, but it, how? Like, because I mean, Patricia's gonna point and say, "Look, we went from three to six. And yeah. then to be like, oh, we're gonna go from six to one. Uh, so yeah, see, he's here's gonna be the coaching. Thing. The tanking, tanking, and perfect tanking in professional sports requires everyone in the organization to be on the same page from the top down. Right. And, and the you have to Ford trade family, pieces. Yeah, you need to trade pieces who are possibly gonna get in the way, and you're gonna need to cut, and you're gonna need to play players who you know aren't going to get you wins. Yeah, like cut. you have to trade Matt Stafford. You have to trade Matt Stafford. You're going to have to – Adrian Peterson. You have to make Danny Amendola the, the number one target. Right. right. We're going to have – you're going to have to let Galladay walk. You're going to have to – you're going to have to bench Hawkinson. You're going to have to do these things. Man, that, I don't think Hawk makes that big of a difference. Let him grow. Yeah, I just don't think that – I just don't think that the Fords are willing to do any of that. Right, right, right. Yeah, hundred percent. But it's you know it's just a shitty situation we find ourselves. Lions fans find themselves in again. Um, yeah, I was gonna I mean, say it's, it's just being a Lions fan. Should I say this in an old timey's fifty radios narrator voice? <laughs> sure. Oi, the Detroit Lions are in a really sticky situation. See, like I, that was a bad. I don't know what the fuck I was going there, but. Speaking of shitty situations, let's talk about Michigan State. Um, you know, I had a moment of zen this this weekend on Saturday, where after after Rocky's first interception, I took a look at myself. I sat back and I, you know, I went, "Oh yeah, this team's supposed to be ass." Right. Like we spent six, we spent seven months saying that three wins is the expectation and we were going to lose to all of the teams we've been losing to. And just because we lost to a Rutgers team that no one saw coming week one, that all of a sudden we're, all of a sudden the sky is falling. And you know, Couch Burner put it great in an article he published in August. Like, it's year zero for Mel Tucker and the staff right now. Um, we're talking, you know, it's – let's just have I, – I gained some perspective. The good news is we might not have to watch them this week. So that's, that's, that's a that's positive not, sign. Um, I want to watch. I don't care. I, I may only stick it out for a half, but, like, let them play, <laughs> let them grow. Let the let the staff get another like, you know, evaluation. We already we already started to see attrition. So like, I hope we play. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good point too. But you know, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same argument that I had with like with bowl eligibility right last year. I didn't want I didn't want to go to a bowl. Everyone was like, well, you need to get the young guys' experience and. Da, 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 da. I just didn't see it and I really don't see the I really don't see the positives in in playing in playing this weekend. I really don't. I really don't see the positives in finishing the season. Uh Rico Beard tweeted 
on Saturday afternoon that like more bad news for Michigan State fans, there might be 15 new starters next season. Oh, yeah. And I fail to see the downside in having 15 new starters next season. I understand where Rico's coming from, that these are going to be – that these are 15 guys who are fresh to college football, fresh to the college experience, and have to learn on the fly. But I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing either. That's how you build a team when you bring in a new regime. And, you know, it's – do I want Rocky to start under center next year? I, if you gave me the chance, if you gave me the option right now between everyone who, who's in the quarterback room right now, or I can have Hampton Faye be the starter week one, this isn't me being biased because I interviewed him and he's a friend of Bacon Wire. Give me Hamp. Because, like, what, 15 years ago, 15 new starters might have been an issue. But mm-hmm. high school football has progressed to a point around the country, especially at the program, the high school programs Michigan State is recruiting from, where the, the learning curve from high school to college isn't as steep as it is from college to the NFL. Hamp Fay has probably been making pre-snap reads since he was fucking eight years old. So if you're going to say, give me a, give me a guy fresh, fresh out of high school who has been here for, you know, a few months or what I've seen out of Rocky or Peyton Thorne so far, I'm going to take Hamp. And I'll, I'll leave it open to you guys to discuss further, but I really, am I missing something here in like, I'm out on, I'm out on Rocky. Yep. I'm out. I'm cool letting Peyton do his thing. He's um, that Michigan game was such an anomaly. Sorry, Mitch. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. No, I, I yeah. The, the yeah, I mean, I I'm out on Rocky. Uh, I'm cool letting Peyton Thorne do his thing for the rest of the year. Apparently, Theo Day is not it. Uh, transfer. Transfer. All right. I, I would assume that Noah Kim will at some point transfer, especially when he gets beat out by Hamp day one. Um, you know, Mel might have to go get a quarter, like two, may, Mel, have to, may, Mel may have to get two quarterbacks. Um, you know, and another, another recruit, I'm not going to name him, but he was in the, you know, front of the pod, uh, was in the DMs, uh, this weekend. He said, you know, maybe next year we look at a grad transfer QB and, uh, let, let Hamp come in and learn for a year. And Which isn't the worst idea either. No, that – I mean, honestly, that's probably the best-case scenario. Yeah. Um, I presented a scenario that would have happened under a D'Antonio regime where – Oh, Rocky would have played. Rocky would have – Rocky would have played. He would have kept Rocky in on Saturday. And that's oh, yeah. one of the encouraging things I see. Um, I don't like that – I don't like that the turnover bug is back. I am not a fan of the turnover bug continuing to plague our team. Yeah, it's it's alarming. Even, yeah, Jordan, that Jordan Simmons fumble in the, on the first drive was disappointing. Well, I, I mean, I guess that was just like a miscommunication between him and Rocky, but like either way, like that that was a disappointing fumble. We actually looked like we had something going there. The, yeah. the defense played fine. I really thought they did. The defense, I, I can't. 
Yeah, I, I'm not putting anything on the defense. You know, the field position is, is just the story of the year for this team. They cannot start on a good field position. It is absurd how much they start like their own 10 or their own 5. It's crazy how much it happens. And I think, like, we saw it too. When the defense were put in normal situations, they held Indiana. I mean, Indiana got shut out in the second half. Now, whether that's taking the foot off the gas or what, but once the defense stopped, stopped needing to stop needing to like start start at like their own thirty, yeah, then they were much more successful against against Indiana, even in the first half, the first few drives where they had decent, where they were able to just kind of go through their go through their script, go through their play, go through their progressions and not worry about, you know, a play breaking down and turning into positive yardage. They played much, much better. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the only – you know, my only thing about the defense that keeps pissing me off is, like, you know, we'll blitz and bring pressure and get stops. And then when it's third and long, we drop into that, that zone. And we let them, we let them pick it up. We let them pick up that third and long, like a lot. And it's just like, why not bring pressure? Like it has been working on downs one and two. But no, you're good. Yeah. I I think Indiana was trying to run it up because they kept going for it on fourth down. Uh, Tom Allen, Tom, Tom Allen's is a fucking psychopath. So he was definitely not taking his foot off. I can see why kids want to play for him though, but I think he's, he's gotta be a fucking crazy asshole. Yeah. Does like a huge line of Coke and then goes out and coaches. Yeah. It's probably pretty much exactly it to be honest. But um, yeah, I'm I'm out on Rocky. Sorry. You, You have, you've had half a season to show us your goods. I think if you can't get it together or at least start to show uh, progress um, halfway through a season, I think you have problems as a, as a player. And that's not trying to be a dick. I mean, the, the only football I played was flag football, so I really can't criticize too much. But, like, it's just disappointing to see him still make those bad decisions with the ball and, you know, the fumble and not, the Jordan Simmons fumble was his fault. But, I just don't see the progress from game one to game two, and it sucks. And it just makes me wonder how bad was Michigan? Like, Michigan has their boatload of problems. Uh-oh. Like, we're, we're probably the two worst teams in the division outside of Penn State. I was going to say, um, yeah, I mean, you know, like uh, like Matt Sheehan of, uh, you know, Locked On Spartans has been saying, at least we're in year one of a – or year zero of a COVID mm-hmm. regime where the guy didn't get to work with anyone for, you know, the whole off season and didn't get to really recruit or anything like he would have normally because he came in in February before a lockdown. Right. Fucking Michigan's in year fucking six. And, and, and they – this is their worst team since – Brady hoax last year. I would probably say it's their. I would. I would go further back. I Rich would Rod. say, yeah, like this is the worst I've seen a Michigan football team since Rich Rod's first year. Yeah, right. that 2018 got their shit pushed in every weekend. Yeah, you guys, do, do you guys know what the record is? Real quick, just real quick. What was the record? Three, Three and nine. nine. Shardy. Yeah. Shardy. Yeah. Uh, 
So let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about that Michigan game real quick. Um, (laughs) You know, I don't know whether Jim Harbaugh is going to be back as Michigan's head coach next year. I have a feeling that this is going to be the decide that they're going to have to decide this off season because letting Harbaugh come in as a lame duck is absolutely going to destroy your recruiting board. Nobody is going to want to commit. No, no kid is going to walk in and commit to a lame duck coach. It's just straight up what he is. I mean, he can't, if you don't have an extension in mind, you have to let him go. If you guys can't agree, if you can't agree on an extension with your savior, you need to let him walk because I don't, I don't see a path forward for you in this marriage. You know what I mean? 100%. And look, I kind of want Harbaugh to stay. I think it'd be kind of funny. Um, you know, we have, we have Michigan, fr- we have Michigan Twitter friends and I have Michigan friends in real life and they're all kind of saying the same thing. And it's like Harbaugh can stay or go. It really doesn't matter. Don Brown just needs to go. Right. It's a it is a it is a win win for us as MSU fans. If if he stays, I don't think much changes. If he leaves, we get to laugh that their savior couldn't save them. I mean for I mean for the majority of that game, it it didn't look like Wisconsin was the team who didn't play in three weeks and hadn't practiced in two and a half. They looked fucking sharp. They they, they they didn't they didn't skip they didn't skip a goddamn beat. They and, looked scary. Yeah, and, and they didn't even do it how we did it. They did it with three thirty on the ground. Yeah, they they did that last just, year. They rushed for over seven hundred fifty I think seven hundred and twenty yeah. plus yards against Michigan the last two years combined. Yeah, right, Jonathan yeah. Jonathan Taylor owned them. Yeah. Owned right. them. Um, I mean, now isn't it that Joe Milton and Cade McNamara are battling for the job? Unless I mean, you, I, you knew that Newton. was coming. This has been, this has been a theme in this has been a theme in Michigan media for 25 years. Yeah. It's why Tom Brady, it's why Tom Brady hadn't been back to Ann Arbor since he graduated until five years ago, because U of M media tried to run him out of town. Yeah. You go back and you read those articles from 1998, 1999, 2000. Everyone and their mother were screaming for Drew Henson. Screaming. They were booing when Brady would be put into a game. And, and for 15 years, Brady was persona non grata in Ann Arbor. 15 years. And we're getting reports of formal of former Michigan football players like not being welcomed. Um, you know, it's it's MGO blog, so fucking whatever. But you know, there's there's a there's rumors that like that McCaffrey didn't feel well, and Harbaugh basically called him a pussy, and that pissed the McCaffrey family off. That's a family and, you don't want to piss off. It, and that's I, why he's transferring. The kicker, opinion. 
The kicker is, is Dylan McCaffrey is still on campus. He is still in Ann Arbor Mm -hmm. taking classes at the University of Michigan. Hit him up, Mel. And his little and one his little brother or his brother just uh, won a big game for Nebraska. Yeah, I just and you know who brother, yeah and you know Cade McNamara went in and and led them to a touchdown. And look, I'm not saying that Cade McNamara is is signed, sealed, delivered better than Joe Milton, but it's fucking hilarious that that happened. I'm not gonna lie to you. Right. It it's it's such a great narrative because like they just you know would dog on Milton the whole game. We were having fun with that Heisman Photoshop of Joe Milton. <laughs> I mean and it's a it's a tale as old as time. It's happened for the last I mean ever since Richrod came, you know, I remember it being every fucking year with the Heisman hype. And it's gonna happen next year with McNamara for sure. And he's gonna look good for a game or two and then get exposed. I here's you know I'm not I'm not an athletic director I never have been an athletic director if I ever do become an athletic director it'll be at a high school it won't be at it won't be at a power five university right but at some point you need to you need to figure out what your identity is and I think Michigan has for too long been playing this middle ground where they pride themselves on the fact that they take academics seriously. They make their athletes go to classes. Granted it's in general studies degrees, but they make them go to class and all this, you know, they make them be on campus and they do all this extra shit. Right. Meanwhile, they pay their coach nine and a half million dollars a year. So if I'm Ward Manual, I need to I need to have a come to Jesus talk with the Board of Regents because one of two things needs to happen. Either one, you need to go full, you need to go full Stanford and go, you know what? Fuck it. If you don't meet the if you don't meet the academic requirements to, to come to Michigan. We're not offering you a scholarship and we'll just go seven and five and our fan base can pump our chest about how, about our academics and whatever. <laughs> or you need to go to the board of regents and go, look, we can't fucking compete with these guys. If, if you want, if you want us to get back to the top, you need to, we need to start doing online classes. Yep. We need to start having more flexible schedules. I mean, that's, you roll your eyes, Mitch, but I guarantee you that's on the that's that's a big that's a big negative recruiting thing for other coaches. You know it is when they come and they go, you know, you're actually gonna have to, you know, you won't get as much time to work on your craft at Michigan as you will at Ohio State or Penn State or you know, it's general fucking studies, dude. I, Mitch, They're, I'm not talking about the difficulty of the class. No, That's I'm, not I'm, what I'm. No, 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 I know, but you think they actually? You think they actually have to go? Do you think they actually go? Come on. But the fact is that it's not whether or not they actually attend classes. It's the fact it's that, that it's those, not online. 
Right. It's the fact that they Man. can't just go to the football center and all sit in groups and do classes together like at other schools. I guess. That's that's what I'm saying. Right? It's the fact that they – it's the fact that at some times they actually have to step foot inside of a classroom. <laughs> and that's a big negative for a lot of folks who are like – who – don't want to be on campus. I Man, was on here to ca- play school. Right. I mean, they aren't. That's the reality of college athletics. Yeah. And with NIL coming down the pike, it's going to be even worse. Yep. Yeah. I, I guess so, I don't disagree. This is a big identity crisis for Michigan, and they need to figure it out. Are you going to be Stanford? Yeah. No, you're good. Go. Are you going to be Stanford or are you going to be Ohio State? You need to pick yeah. one. Are you going to sell and, out? Or are you going to tighten up the standards? You can't yeah. have a you can't have a foot in the you can't have a foot in the grave anymore. You yeah. need to shit or get off the pot. Michigan's in such a bad spot that they had pro, that they had Michigan propagandist Bob Wojnarowski write an article oh. about MSU this weekend instead of the shit show going down there just to I try and deflect. He's a great. He can be a really good writer, but his. Nose is so far up Harbaugh's ass. He is it's a propagandist. Like it, it is up his ass. I don't know how far. Uh, I mean, he's the Tucker Carlson of the University of Michigan. As, oh, as Odell, as Odell Bretham Jr. has said on many occasions, North Korean media is more honest than Michigan media. <laughs> it's uh It's <laughs> like you know, uh, Nazi Germany looked at the looked at the antebellum south and the confederacy as examples for how to treat how to treat jews and minorities in nazi germany or whatever north korea and china look at the detroit free press sports sports section as inspiration for their for their state sponsored <laughs> propaganda De- dead ass the best <laughs> thing the 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 only good thing the freep has done is hire rainer sabin because every time he puts out an article the michigan fans lose their shit because he actually calls them out for their garbage and- i i i still think of valeni's quote uh from two weeks ago when we all went to church on monday afternoon at two when he said the Kremlin has more reliable reporting than any of the free press or Detroit news people. And I, I, I got now I, I just need to ask, did, didn't Woj like try to fire back at him and Valeni just ripped him again? Correct. Like, I'm pretty sure Woj like tried to call him something. And no, he tried to like, he tried to, he tried to like, he tried to like back off and say like, Oh, well, you don't understand. Like if I, you know, if I rip into, you know, I can't just rip into U of M like you rip into MSU because I need access. <laughs> it's right. And Valetti is like, what are you scared? You're not going to get your Diet Cokes in the press boxes? <laughs> <laughs> like, I like the stuff that Woj writes, that Wo- Wojo writes for like non-Michigan stuff because like, some I think he no I'm thinking of the wrong person but I do like his stuff when it's not Michigan like because it, it can be good but overall I just think he sucks because of how bad those articles are that are pro Michigan like I get trying to be on their good side but at the same time you're a journalist like you're supposed to kind of if if the if things are going bad you're not supposed to sit there and go 
oh, well, they're one and three, but Michigan State sucks. Let's see how bad they suck. We you know, do you suck. Can video saying that they suck, even though you're just trying to talk about Michigan, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, no, we definitely suck, but we still beat that ass. Yeah, you know, you can compare them to uh, Detroit County Day or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. Country, Detroit Country Day. Country Day. Day. Country yeah. Day, yeah, my bad. I knew it was Country Day. Um, you know, you could do stuff like that, but it's just it's frustrating. But, I mean, this blue wall has been here for years and years, and it'll – just when you think it, tr- it starts to crack, it Wojo comes out and writes something that just plasters and fixes that that crack right away. And, you know, regardless of what happens to Harbaugh, to Michigan, you know, to Michigan State in the future, um, like, the main problem, as I see it, with, with Michigan is, is the arrogance. I mean, like... People have been saying it for years now. Like that's what that's what I'm saying. Like you can't you can't like you can't do the things academically and expect to compete in modern college football. Like it sucks, but that's why people are screaming so hard for NIL and for direct payment to players. Because they're not student athletes at this point. They just aren't. They generate too much money. And they don't, and they like, and if they go to a, and if they go to the right program, the only time they step foot on campus, the only time they step foot in an academic building is if they need to have a team meeting there. I mean, straight up. Their counselors, their classes, their meals, they're all in a football building. They go from their dorm to the football center, back to their dorm. That's how it is. And to have them go and for Michigan to do this ridiculous thing where they go, you need to go to your music appreciation class at this building way off in West Campus at 12 at 12 p.m. and then make it all the way back to East Campus at 1.30 for practice. It's unrealistic. You're, you're setting yourself up, up for failure. So you so like I said, like Michigan needs to decide: Are you going to be Stanford or are you going to be Ohio State? Because you can't be both. And um, they're definitely never going to be Ohio State. Yeah, and even if they do decide right. to, I mean, if they decide to go all in and do the things Ohio State does to recruit and to compete, they can. Michigan definitely has the resources. It's not a monetary issue that's holding Michigan back. It's a personality issue, it's and it's a culture issue. That's all it is. If Michigan just if Michigan would just allow themselves to have the kind of ego death that was like, fuck fuck this veneer of student athletes and the spirit of amateurism or whatever fucking bullshit phrase Mark Emmert is shitting out of his doo-doo ass at the moment and go. <laughs> You're basically professionals, and we're going to treat you like professionals, and this is what professionals do, and set them up that way, then they'll be then they'll be successful. Because I'll tell you what, fucking country bumpkin Wolverine devotee doesn't give a fuck 
that that Devin Gardner is doing the Lions pregame show on Fox Sports Detroit as a consolation prize for getting his nose rubbed in the dirt by the Spartan Dogs for four years. So, yeah. All right. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then um, we're going to talk about Mando and a couple other things and end the pod. So um, here's, here's a message from our sponsor. Jinger balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed tubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. You know, whether you're shaving a lightning bolt, you're going clean, or you're letting the jungle ride, you need to make sure that you're cleaned up down there. That's why this revolutionary company, Manscaped, has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer cuts on your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut-free, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty, man. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest parts of your body? And yes, your balls stink. Speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, I personally am thankful for their Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keep your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood, if you know what I mean. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers that will keep your junk feeling fresh all day. Fellas, it's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxers. Tis the season to Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, all your friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. You can get 20% off and free shipping with promo code BACON at Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped when you use code BACON. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. All right. Thank you to Manscaped. Uh, So... Uh, before we talk about Mando, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, we have a release date for WandaVision. Uh, WandaVision starts January 15th, 2021 um, on Disney+. Plus. This seems like news to Mitch. Um, you know, what do you guys... We finally have a release date. What do you guys think? I'm ready. I like the little teaser. 
Give it to me. I, 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 how did I miss this? I'm on Twitter almost all day. Disney Plus showed like a little one minute teaser, and then it was like release date uh, January 15th. Wasn't much. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of hoping that they would drop it. They would drop episode one day and date with the final episode of Mando, but that's obviously not going to happen. Um, it's you know, it's kind of smart to have the two week to have the two week pause in between. Yeah, and you know, it'll be. I'm excited. You know, I I I'm more excited for this show than I am any other Disney plus show that's going to come out in this first wave of, of in this first wave of mini series or series or however they're going to arrange it. But, um, you know, I, the weirder, the weirder MCU stuff has always been my favorite. And, you know, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to see what they do with this going forward. Um, so let's, let's talk about Mando. Um, Holy shit! Episode, big biggest biggest, like arguably most important episode yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would at least since the season one finale. Um, yeah. So, uh, the watch a a great pop culture podcast I listen to. Um, they they've basically been saying that. Uh, they've been spent a lot of time comparing the Mandalorian to the X Files where they'll be, you know, just like your standard adventure of the week, right? Like procedural, just like Mando goes here, he encounters a problem, he solves the problem, he flies away. Mm -hmm. And there'll be like two to three episodes a season that are like lore episodes that create this bigger arc. And this episode was, was definitely one of them. Deep so, lore. Deep, deep lore. So, uh, first question for you guys. How do we feel to learn that Mando is basically in a cult? It, I'm not surprised. It makes sense with, like, his, you know, his guide, or the, his guidelines, his uh, mantras that he goes by, you know, this is the way. Sounds like a cult tagline. And... You know, the rules are like, I'm never taking my helmet off. Um, that type of shit. It, it lines up with it, and it was pretty surprising, but at the same time, you're kind of like, eh, okay, I buy it. Yeah, I mean, the it's not super crazy to me either because uh, if you watch Clone Wars, like, the Mandalorians are split off into their own clans anyway, and, like, you know, they each – you know, think different things about how Mandalore should be run and who's in charge. And, you know, uh, you know, they all, they have their own factions, so it's not, it's not super crazy. So let's talk about that. So, uh, Mando completes his, you know, is a man of his word, fulfills his promise, takes frog lady to, to frog dude on, on a planet, uh, Rex, Rex the Razor Crest, uh, and then, then he in, he, the Frogman jizzes in the cup, and the babies are born. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just was like watching that. Like, did he? I just kept asking Cass, like, do you think he like just cranked it and then it went? 
Frogman made creamy pee. Uh, you just <laughs> shook, shook, shook it up a little bit, made sure all the yeah. eggs got in their Fucking fair shake. Tom Cruise from Cocktail comes in and does the over-the-shoulder, you know, like the... <laughs> Sorry to derail it, but I just had to. I just had to bring it up. The fucking John Taffer comes in with his mixology specialist. The <laughs> uh, what was it? Me, we need two parts Smirnoff whipped vodka. <laughs> one part Frogman come shake, shaken, not stirred. And then you may need a you may need a force sensitive lizard baby there. To kind of put his hand on the glass to expedite, kind of <laughs> expedite the process. Expedite the process. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Sorry. John Taffer's John Taffer walks into the frog apartment. And goes, shut it the fuck down! I'm shutting it down. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. No. People are pissed we talk about movies, but I don't know how they can be when you get content like that. All right. So, Baby Yoda gets eaten after these uh, fucking... What was the name of the villain from Pirates of the Caribbean? Davy Jones, right? With the fucking... Who had the squid face or whatever? Yep. The fucking Davy Jones people try to, like, kill Mando for his armor, and then these other Mandalorians come in. And then we find out it's uh, Bo-Katan. Uh, Mitch, I'm, I'm not that far in Clone Wars yet. I'm, okay. So for the people who don't, haven't seen Clone Wars, uh, give us a quick background on Bo-Katan. Um, she is the sister of the leader of Mandalore, um, who is kind of like long-lost girlfriend of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um. So I'm drawing a blank on, on her sister's name, but she is the leader of Mandalore. Um, and Bo-Katan has decided to, like, be the fighter in the family. So, like, her sister went politics and she went, like, army, basically, um, to fight off uh, Death Watch, which is uh, another group of Mandalorians who are trying to take over. Hmm. Pretty much, pretty much what it boils. So, from what I've understood in my research, Death Watch is this isn't a perfect one to one comparison, but they're basically like the uh, like the ISIS of Mandalore. Yeah. Okay. Like religious extremist. Yep. Okay. Um, and you know he's freaked out. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing without your helmet? Like, why'd you take your helmets off? Like, you're not supposed to do that." And they're like, oh, we get it. Like, you're in this cult that sprung from the Death Watch, as far as I can understand. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's what it sounded like, yeah. So, (laughs) apparently, like, like after the Empire was destroyed, it's just been one giant power vacuum. Um, we've kind of we kind of saw that last episode. They kind of hinted at it with those two X wings, who are like, this is Republic space. Like you need this shit, that shit. Yep. Um, and they're and they're like they're stealing weapons from Mandalore, and uh, we need to like we need to go back and we need to claim Mandalore. 
And is there any basis in either Clone Wars or Rebels for the belief that Mandalore is like this poison, this poison world? Or are we to believe that this kind of like this cult lie for why they have to continue hiding? Uh, I don't remember any of that from Clone Wars or I just think um, like Darth Maul took over and uh, that's where, God, if I'm remembering correctly, that's where Maul tells them about uh, Order 66. Okay. Because Maul has figured this out. Uh, and this is literally in the very last season. Like, I'm giving you literally the end of the story pretty much here um, in Clone Wars. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so that, so Bo Katan is like, you help us get these weapons and we'll help you, we'll help you do this. You know, we'll help, we'll help you get the child to the Jedi yes. or whatever. So they honestly, like the, Lights Camera Barstool had a great breakdown and Jeff D. Lowe, my internet dad, brought up a great point. It's like Lud- Ludwig Gorenson's score who was like, this is probably the best it's ever been uh, like throughout the entire like run of The Mandalorian. I mean, the the music was unbelievable this week. He's been on a heater this whole year. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been on a heater since Black Panther. Let's let's be honest with ourselves. He's yeah. been on a he's been on a two year heater, and they they take over the ship, and we see something that I don't think we've ever seen before, and we see like a fanatical dedication to uh, the um, to the empire, which is something yeah. we never really, which is something we never really we've never really seen before in any of the mainline Star Wars product. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Um, other breakdowns compared it a lot to, um, you know, obviously because it's a fascistic organization to Nazi Germany. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, it brings me back to the scene in uh, uh, the first Avenger, in Cap- Captain America, the first Avenger, when he catches up to the guy who tried to kill him while they were giving him the super serum. And, you know, he takes capsule out of his tooth. Hail Hydra kills himself. Like that's that's what it brought me back to. Yeah, it it was a cool it was a cool spin on the kind of cyanide capsule where it kind of looked like force lightning, right? Basically, like liquefied his brain. Mm-hmm. So they save the ship. They're able to get the weapons, and at the end, Bo Katan is like, "Hey, we could really use your help. Like, you know, we're in this together. Like, Mandalorians are strongest when we're together." which I'm assuming is a theme that that Bo-Katan's sister kind of espoused throughout Clone Wars. Right. It's okay. So, and he's like, I, I've been tasked, like I have been tasked with returning this child to the Jedi. And then at the end, she says, okay, go to this planet, find Ahsoka Tano and tell her Bo-Katan sent you and she'll help you get, she'll help you take care of the child. Um, for, you know, again, for the uninitiated, Ahsoka Tano is probably the most important character um, in, in the Clone Wars. She is the main character. She um, was the secret apprentice of Anakin Skywalker and um, 
goes on to play a much bigger role in Rebels as far as I can understand it. Um, I think I'm just going to like watch Ahsoka's arc in Rebels. I'm not going to bother with the entire show. But, uh, you know, Mitch, for someone who's been kind of in this kind of in this stuff for years, you know, like how pissed are you going to be next week when <laughs> when it's a filler episode and Mando goes back and takes Baby Yoda to Grief Karga? I'm going to be so angry because Ahsoka Tano, in my opinion, is top five good person force wielder. Yeah, you know, I don't want people. People get pissy when you call her a Jedi because she technically never finished her training. But uh, top, he's top five good person force wielder. Well, excuse me, sir, uh, Mister Mitch. <laughs> yeah, uh, she is not a Jedi. She right? Yeah, exactly. Wielder. Yeah. Uh, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. No one, no group of people on earth hates, hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. It it's is never good enough. <laughs> yeah, it's never. It's never yeah, no, she is, she's incredibly, incredibly powerful and just, she's fucking awesome. I cannot wait. Um, and then one thing. That you don't, you probably, well, you probably don't know because you're not there yet. Um, that before, I, I think it was before the she talked about Ahsoka is what they needed those weapons for. So yes, they they need those to help take over Mandalore, but what they really needed it for is to go find Moff Gideon and get the dark saber. Correct. I forgot. Um, Moff Gideon, Space Gus Fring. Um, you know they. There's space gusfring, there's superhero gus for gusfring, and then I believe gusfring is in Better Call Saul. So there's classic gusfring. Yeah, he's been on it for about two seasons. Uh, it's kind of like in the mid '90s where Pepsi was just like, "Fuck it, we'll just have all these different kinds of Pepsi, like Pepsi Blue, Crystal Pistol. Pepsi." <laughs> yeah, it's just like just gusfring, gusfring, and like everything. Um, Great actor. Yeah, no, great actor, but like you, you, uh, like I watched Do the Right Thing this summer, and you watch him as bugging out, and you're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, it doesn't, it, it's he's like, in it? yeah, he's bugging out. Oh my God, I need to, wa- I still need to watch it. Oh, unreal. Yeah, but for those who don't know, the Darksaber is, um, there was uh, a Mandalorian uh, years and years ago, like thousands of years uh, before the Battle of Yavin, who was also a Jedi, and he created a special lightsaber that looks like a black sword, which we saw Moff Gideon use um, at the end of season one to get out of his TIE fighter. Um, yep. So to sure. truly, whoever wields the dark saber will be recognized as the leader of Mandalore. So for so for insufferable 28-year-old liberals who listen to the podcast, the Darksaber is the Elder Wand. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, and <laughs> I actually, you joke, but I saw a TikTok making that direct comparison and said something along the lines of like, the true leader of Mandal, like its allegiance might actually lie with Ahsoka hmm. because Maul had it and she defeated Maul 
And then in Rebels, I think Ahsoka just gives it to Sabine Wren, who then gives it to Bo-Katan, who then at some point between Rebels and now has lost it to Moff Gideon. And um, everyone thought that Sasha Banks, the WWE wrestler, was Sabine Wren when obviously we know that that's not the case. She is a part of Bo-Katan's posse. I believe they're called the Night Owls. Yeah, something. Something Owls, Owls Nest, Night Owls, whatever. Something to do with Owls. Um, and so, and Sabine Wren is allegedly in this season. So we haven't seen her yet. Yeah, she's a Rebels character though. Yeah, she is a character exclusive to Rebels and, um, yeah, great episode. Um, it's going to be a filler next week. Just don't do that. It was directed by Carl Weathers, man. Like, did you look next week's episode is directed by Carl Weathers. It's going to be a grief Carga episode because episode five is directed by Filoni. Oh, so episode five is going to be the Ahsoka episode. The Carl Weathers episode is going to be him and, um, Oh, Princess Caroline from Bo- Amy Sedaris. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm good. I'm I'm, sl- I'm slowly <laughs> building. I'm, I, we joke. I'm slowly building my Funko collection, and I need to get. There's like two or three different Ahsoka Tano ones, and oh. grief, grief, Karga, <laughs> grief, Karga is gonna take Baby Yoda around. Whatever I forgot what I forgot the name of this the like place he hangs out at around the guild headquarters and go, you get a few of these, you take a couple bones, and baby, you got a stew going. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think we're going to get what I hope for uh, if we ever find out the origin of Baby Yoda and it's just a, just like a, a hardcore sex scene of Yoda and Yaddle having <laughs> sex. Like just like uh, Dane DeVito and it's always sunny just banging that prostitute like, oof. <laughs> just the Yoda. I can't, All right. I, I, Listen, I, I can't wait for the Yoda grunt. There, I'm done. There was you let us off on a good tangent earlier, <laughs> and now we're we're gonna have to go out sad. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Now I, we're on that. Now we're on that. That Blake. Uh. That Blake grind. Yeah. That was that was a Blake ass. That was a Blake ass <laughs> tangent you took you us know, on. You get the good and the bad. It's like uh, slipping on the banana peel. Neo Doyle's drive off the road. Kind of what it was. Full uh, Well, full circle to a conversation we're having pre-podcast, Lucas. Um. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, Ned. Now you got me bummed. Now you got me bummed out. We're gonna get a filler episode on Friday. I mean, look. I know they can't all be full of lore and, and, and wonderful. You need some filler, I guess. Oh, my God. What am I going to do with Couch Burner, man? Who is he fighting with now? Uh, same shit, different day. I don't want to talk about it. Um, all right. Oh. <laughs> so... You know, I'm muting. <laughs> it's it's quite the uh, it's quite the thing. I want to end this with a question. Um, so 
uh, Anad Gurderadas posed a hypothetical. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this before we go. When you get the vaccine and it's deemed safe for you and others to do whatever, what is the first thing you're going to do? I don't want to be boring here, but uh, my grandma, <clears throat> my grandmother's 80 and lives in Florida and I get to see him and my dad lives in Florida as well. So I get to see them twice a year. Generally, I didn't get to go see them this summer. I'm missing my Christmas trip to Florida to go see them because of this. So I will probably book a trip to Florida to uh, visit my grandma. She turned 80 in July. We were supposed to go down to the keys and do a big birthday thing with our whole family and that got canceled. So probably go see my grandma to, to be a hundred percent honest. I would go to a sporting event. I give, uh, I wouldn't say give me soccer. Um, I would <laughs> soccer matches have dope atmospheres though. Like not, not quite here in America, but like, okay, Tim, no, oh, oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> we're going to Lucas. We're going to Disney. I'm not. I'm not touching Florida for a while. I'm sorry, Mitch. <laughs> I mean, uh, hey, I'm hoping. I'm hoping I get this vaccine here in like the next like month or two. But I would. I would go to the movies and do a sporting event. Like I really want to see a movie again. I'm. I'm going to Crunchies to do some karaoke with Dennis. <laughs> Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the I'm gonna dine in with a certain family in Lansing and have hash browns. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna fucking do. Uh, gonna what go. Would you eat, do? Gonna go. I'm gonna go eat at a family-owned B-Dubs Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> local biz supporting local business. Uh, an hour away from me. No. Uh, honestly, like. The first night, like I'm gonna, like everything's gonna be open and available to everybody. I already have it planned out. I'm getting a hotel. I'm getting a hotel room at Greek Town. I'm going to whatever concerts at the Fillmore that night. I don't care. Um, I don't care if it's. I don't care if it's like, fucking, screamo country. I'm going. Screamo <laughs> country, like yeah. It. Um, Maybe it'll be a 303 concert. Oh, bro, 303 is coming back. They're I, coming I, back. I, I just watched their music video like a little bit ago. It was fucking weird. Wait, they have a new song already? Yeah, it was it was fucking weird. All right, now I got to end the pod with it. Um, 303's back? Yeah, 303's back, baby. Hmm. Okay. 2020. Hey, Lucas, tell your boyfriend if he says he's got beef that I'm a vegetarian. I ain't fucking scared of him. <laughs> uh, I believe they stole that line from our friend Big Sav. Uh, <laughs> I'm a fucking vegan cyclist, and I ain't fucking scared of him was the original, was the original lyric. Oh, that was so good. Uh, no, I'm going to get Rip Roaring Hammered downtown Detroit, uh, go to the casino, uh, go to a concert, fucking, yeah. fucking wild out. Go, go ape, sh- go ape shit bananas. Uh, you know what? I might even come up to East Lansing and go to Rick's just for, just for shits and gigs. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't. I can't wait to go to Spartan Stadium again. <sighs> yeah, that or go to the Breslin. Uh, 
and just fucking bar crawl after. That sounds yeah. that's that's the that's the move. Bonnie Never. Bates suits up for his first game as Michigan State Spartan. The Breslin Center is rocking. Ooh. Hell oh. yeah. He's not stepping on the court, Shardy. Uh, yeah, Shardy. They're going to be so mad. <laughs> Joshua, Joshua Langford isn't starting either. Did you hear? He's not yeah. starting yet. Do you They're going to be so Langford? mad when Imani's here for two years. They're going to be so mad. All right. Um, Mitch, thank you as always for coming on. Um, yeah, so filling in. Uh, always, always here for some Mando talk. Yep, we'll be back next week. We have an interview with Tyrell Henry, so stay tuned for that. Big 2022 receiver target for for Mel Tucker and the Spartans. It's looking good right now, but yeah, it's obviously we'll looking. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so, fellas, go green.